This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of $2 Late Fee. This is a very special one to us. Well, they're all special, but this one is particularly special because it's our first interview that we've done with a film composer. We have the legendary, the one and only, Vince DiCola from Rocky IV, Staying Alive, and Transformers on our show today. Saying that he was great is an understatement. We were so lucky to have him on our show. I know, Dustin, you feel the same way, don't you? I do feel the same way, Zach. In fact, this interview, I would say, is one of our finest ones yet. Um, And I know that's a little, like, generic. Let me even say this may be our finest one yet. Yeah. It's certainly our best one with a composer. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, Vince was so generous with his time. He talked about... um, all the, the stories behind some of his amazing, amazing music. And I thought it was really cool and insightful and uh, really got into the humanity of uh, what it means to be a film composer at, during that time. And also a journey. You go down this road in life thinking you're going to go one way and you'd make a sharp left turn and the next thing you know, you're working with Sylvester Stallone. And not only that, he his stories that he tells on this episode will really just make you smile and make you go wow that was really cool um yeah i i think i had a certain expectation maybe of how what we would talk about and then it it just went in a completely different direction i think we should say too that as we are recording this we are in the middle of 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 a global pandemic so i think we're both grateful I'm certainly grateful to be here recording. This is our first recording since, yeah. um, you know, chaos. But I do think that there is a, a certain amount of rust and, uh, and uh, you know, just heaviness that I've been feeling uh, these past few weeks. So it really is nice to sit here with you and also um, 
you know, introduce this 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 great interview, which I think will will lighten a lot of a lot of the heaviness for for a lot of people. We need more events in our life, and you're gonna get it for the next 90 minutes. Enjoy this trip down memory lane with Vince, and forget about the chaos that's going on right now for a little while. And uh, by the end of it, you'll smile, you'll be tapping your toes, and you'll be saying, "Hey, I think I want to go watch." watch a movie hey i think i want to go watch a movie am i right right um i think too also we in our last episode we really kind of delved into the rocky four soundtrack which is arguably one of the best movie soundtracks of all time certainly that our our collectively our favorite sports movie soundtrack without a doubt um and one that that people generally know so um it's really incredible to chat with the man behind the music. So without further ado, enjoy our interview with Vince DeCola. Enjoy. Vince DeCola, thank you for being on $2 Late Fee. Thank you. We are so honored to have you on our show. I, When we were in the promotion of this episode, we were saying the legendary film composer. And I said to Dustin, I said, he really is legendary. You are legendary. I, personally speaking, but I think in, in just in the broad sense, uh, people, your music resonates so much with people. Yeah. You know, legendary, that's a, that's a word that's kind of uncomfortable for me because I haven't done that many films. Way to go, Zach. You've already made him uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, and I no, have no, nothing no, no. to do with that no, conversation. No, no, no. I, didn't say, I said, he's not legendary. That's going to make him uncomfortable. He's like, no, let's push it. He's going to love it. It's going to be great. We're going to start off the interview wonderfully. You're already uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Um, you know, I did these films. I did these films so long ago. And honestly, I'm amazed that the music has had this kind of longevity. Yeah. Um, I've been very blessed in that, in that Rocky IV and Transformers, and staying alive to a certain point, the music still holds up after all these years. So, yeah. it, I told Dustin, great. I said, I said, this is after he said legendary. I after I said <laughs> I want to talk about staying alive, and he goes, really staying alive? And I go, no, I want to talk about the music of staying alive. There you go. He's very kind because I was like, I refuse to talk about staying alive. I as the movie, you. I don't blame as you. a movie. <laughs> Obviously, we love your music, and I want to point out that you are our first. Uh, composer guest oh, great. Thank that we've you. had on this show. So wow. we're very excited. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. And we, you know, uh, our show covers obviously the movies, but we do cover the music. So it's great to to get a composer's perspective well, thank you. on thank the music you. that we love. Yeah, we are so, so uh, connected not only to certain movies of the '80s, but the music as well. Right. Uh, and I feel like we both have. That's kind of how we bonded. Okay. Over our love of movies and music soundtracks. And the idea that when there's this perfect marriage of a great soundtrack and, for us, a great movie, uh, there's nothing that can replace that. Absolutely. Right? So you, you're from Pennsylvania. I am, yeah. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. When did you move out to L.A. and get started with this crazy business? 1981. I actually got married uh, May 23rd of 1981, and a week later I drove, we drove across the country with all our belongings. Oh, and my gosh. for me to pursue a career in music out here, because I had gone pretty much as far as I could go back in Lancaster. And I chose L.A. Yeah. because that's, this is where a lot of the music that I was listening to and influenced by was being created. 
And I did not move out here to be a film composer or any kind of composer. I moved out here to be a session musician. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So when you say as far as you can go in Lancaster, what does that what does that look like? Uh, you know, there's not much happening. You doing weddings? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, weddings and, yeah. and funerals. and yeah. <laughs> That's always yeah. fun, you know. Right. Um, no, there were recording studios in there, but it, it wasn't like it is out here. You know, very few places in the United States have this kind of availability of talent and studios. So, yeah. And in 1981, there was not the... It was a lot more limited than it is now, accessibility-wise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nowadays, you can record from your home in... Iowa, yeah, you know, yep. and with a guy who's living in New Jersey, yep. and next thing you know, you're putting together an album. Yep. But back in 1981, you come out here with your wife. Take us down that journey. Like, what was so you get out here in '81? What happened next? So luckily, I had a friend that was living out here, and he had set up uh, a room in a house for us, and a place in a top 40 band for me okay. to play keyboards. <laughs> and I love it. and. Uh, uh, I did that for about a year and a half, and my wife worked downtown in L.A., so she was taking the bus down, and that was crazy. That was a whole new culture shock thing for her. Um, in fact, the whole L.A. scene coming from a small town was, I'm sure. was, yeah. A, yeah. was a, a, big, a big shock. Can only us. imagine. Um, but the nice thing is, uh, within a year of moving here, I made my first major connection, and I was playing at a, a nightclub in Woodland Hills called the Red Onion, and it was a chain of Mexican restaurants, and they had live music. And I was playing one night, it was kind of an off night, and I saw this gentleman walk in, he looked kind of familiar, he sat down just by himself, and I noticed that he was paying attention to, to me, to the keyboards. And uh, uh, at the break, he came up and he introduced himself to me as Frank Stallone, and I knew then that's why he looked familiar, because he looked exactly like his brother. Yeah. So yeah. without going too much into that just yet, I mean, that's, <laughs> that was like actually a less than a year after I moved here. Wow. And that's that, amazing. that was the beginning of me getting out of the whole top 40 band thing. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, getting in. And this is where it started. Like, I hadn't planned on doing any movie writing, but it was, a, it was an opportunity through Frank that I'll talk about later. Yeah. And that's that's how I got started. Wow, from, from the red onion to the <laughs> yeah to, to the some, green onion. <laughs> I don't know the metaphor for money or yeah. I don't know. Sure, <laughs> why not? Why not? Peeling the green onion. They like, smell in the what? green, so yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> so, very cool. So yeah. Frank's Frank's alone sitting there. You're, you're playing your top forty songs, and I'm trying to think back to 1981. I, I consider myself somewhat of a musicologist, but not to the depth that most people are. Okay. But I'm thinking like 1981, your top 40 music, there's probably a little bit of Christopher Cross sprinkled in there. Yes, and, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think, you know, I can't, I can't, nothing comes to mind right now, but I'm glad you said one that yeah. I remember. Like, what, what was the song that stood out to Frank Stallone where he's like, I want that guy? Oh, I, I don't think it was any specific song. Um, I remember he came up and, and introduced himself and he said, would you mind, he says, I really like the way you play and I'm, um, I'm starting a band. Actually, it's just a duo. I'm looking for a keyboard player. I, I've been playing around town just acoustic guitar and singing, and I'd like to have a keyboard player. Oh, cool. And he took me out in his, into his Jaguar on a break, and, and he played me some of, his, uh, some of his original songs, which I really liked. They were kind of ballad, James Taylor-type things. Yep. And Frank was a great singer and great writer and good guitar player. So I auditioned for his band like 
a day or two later in, uh, at his house. And he said that uh, he had heard about 10 keyboard players, and he said, the job is yours if you want it. And I said, I would love it, because, again, this is a, less than a year after moving out to yeah. Los Angeles. Come on, this, and we're talking 1981. Uh, I think Rocky One came out in the late 70s, right? Yeah. And his brother was in that. He yeah. sings a song in the Take Me Back. Take and, Me Back. And Frank Stallone had at that point was trying to be a pop star singer right That's and uh, i actually have one of his old kind of he, he did an album of like big band hits oh yeah it's called, like mac the knife or something like that. oh yeah i still have that cd i haven't heard that it, it's not i enjoyed it you know his version of mac the knife is pretty damn good but mm -hmm. um hey but, you know it's mac the knife yeah you know <laughs> and he, sometimes oh, he plays at the uh there's a uh vibrato bar i know that right? place. Yeah, yeah yeah and so he uh but this is kind of a really hot time for Frank Stallone. Yeah. And obviously his brother being his brother. Yeah. So this, and you come out here a year in and this happens to you. This yeah. is exciting yeah. stuff. It is exciting. And, you know, I have to be honest. I was attracted by the last name, Frank Stallone. <laughs> of you know? course. Sure. But yeah. the more I got to know Frank and his music, I realized that he is a talent separate and apart from his brother. He and really is. Yeah. And it's you know, it's admittedly a tough situation to be in when your brother is that huge and yeah. Yeah. you're trying to make it in the business your own way, you know. But I really came to admire his work, and I we really hit it off musically. We we uh, we, we connected creatively. That's great. So it was um, just Frank and I playing around clubs in L.A. We were doing a couple of cover songs, a couple of James Taylor songs. Um, I played piano, and I also harmonized uh, vocals with Frank. And Frank played guitar, and I really enjoyed that. It was intimate. We played small clubs, and audiences seemed to enjoy it. Eventually, we got into forming an entire rock band with drums and guitar and bass, and, and Frank and myself. And uh, if I can go down this road here Please with you. Please do. Because <laughs> yeah. this is, Lord Peter has heard this a million times. <laughs> Maybe we can switch it up for Peter. Just yeah, throw in a, uh, I'll try, I'll try. He, there's a zebra there. I didn't know that. <laughs> I never heard that part. For those that don't know, Peter Hackman is your manager, and he's responsible for you being on our show. And yes. it's a, it's an honor yeah. that you're on. And thank you to Peter for for making this happen. Yeah, absolutely, it's really a big deal. So, <laughs> so um, uh, we were rehearsing on the MGM lot that Sylvester Stallone had gotten us a soundstage to rehearse, which was really cool. Every day driving on the lot to just to rehearse with a band. Right? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a huge soundstage, but it was you know it was on the MGM lot. Yeah. It was such an exciting thing, and you know you'd see stars walking around. Uh, it was just amazing to me. Again, culture shock. I was like, wow. Oh, totally. We're, we're really in Hollywood now, you know. Yeah. And uh, one day we were rehearsing, and Sylvester came down we, unannounced. We didn't know he was coming, and he came with his entourage because. 1981. He was you know huge. You had to have an entourage. Yeah. You had to have yeah. an entourage. Huge star, huge yeah. world-renowned star, and we're uh, talking entourages before entourage was even a thing. <laughs> that's right? true. It really, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, the bodyguards and the yep. assistants and the whole deal. Yep. And I think there were like six people that came in with him. Wow. And uh, and he listened to us play. I was kind of because I didn't expect, and even Frank didn't expect his brother to come down. But here I am sitting in the soundstage, playing keyboards with Frank Stallone, and all of a sudden Sylvester Stallone walks in. And um, we played for a little bit. We took a break, and Frank introduced all of us to to his brother, and that was surreal. You know, it was great. He was very cordial, very nice to talk to. 
And then Frank and Sly went off into a corner and were, were talking softly about something, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my business uh, until um, we, we came back, rehearsed a little bit more, we said goodbye to Sly, and Frank said, could you please stick around after everybody leaves or something I want to tell you about. To said, you specifically? To me. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, if I jump around too much, you no, know, it's all good. It's yeah. just, just put me back on track. Dustin knows I do that. So, oh, right. uh, <laughs> I, yeah, we generally digress a lot, and then one, one of us probably brings it back most good. of the time. Good. Yeah. Well, so we'll bring back. it back. We'll bring yeah. it back. We'll bring you back. Take me back. Um, <laughs> nice. The, uh, you like that? Yeah, um, I do. So, Frank came over to me after everybody left, and he said, my brother just told me that he just signed on to write and direct the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, mm. and it's going to be called Staying Alive after one of the Bee Gees songs. And I said, wow, that's, that's just um, unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Because I was like one of the first people to find this out because it was his brother, and, uh, and he said, um, my brother told me that I could write and submit songs if I wanted, but knowing that I'm going to be up against a lot of name artists, producers, songwriters, you know, yep. everybody that hears about a project like this is yeah. going to be submitting material. So he said, Frank, just understand that that's your competition and also understand that I'm not going to take anything into this movie just because you're my brother. Mm. You, you, I, I have to be very careful about yeah. that. And Frank yeah. understood that. So still, I was wondering why he was telling me this. And he said, would you like to try and write some songs with me? Wow. Now, consider, I hadn't written a song up to that point. Really? And, I mean, a couple instrumentals, you know, I, I, I dabbled in it back east as a hobby while I was doing cover bands and going to school and all that stuff. But I had not written a pop song. I had not tried to write a pop, a pop song. Now, wow. I could have said... I could have said, and, and I kind of felt like saying, hey, Frank, no, I I've never done this. Right. I, the um, red onion is, is fine. Frank. That's right. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a whole different, this is a whole different level yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. I yeah. didn't say that, yeah. luckily. Oh, yeah, Frank, that yeah. sounds like a great idea. You right. know? <laughs> and, uh, and Think until you make it. Uh, that's right. And, uh, and, yeah. and we went to Frank's place in Bel Air, and uh, he had a grand piano there, and we just started throwing ideas back and forth, and... Um, and again, I'll get on to this story, and you can pull me back if I get too far out. It's all good. But we wrote um, we wrote three songs together, just the two of us, and then we brought a friend of Frank's in named Joe Esposito. Yeah. To write two other songs. Of Karate Kid fame. We know Joe. We know Joe. Well, not personally, but we know Joe. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> great singer. Yeah. You know, great singer. And we know he's performing in March. Where? The, is it the Roxy or the? Um, yeah, it's right next to the Roxy. I think. Yeah, it might be the Roxy. I, might, I think it might be the Roxy. Yeah, is uh, is it a part of a uh, review of some sort? Or it's, it's like the songs of Joe Esposito. Yeah. so he's doing really? like yeah. all of the songs that he's been a part of soundtrack wise, and That's then phenomenal. his own personal stuff, and then standards and covers and whatnot. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta yeah. talk to him. You do. Yeah. Jump on. Mid-March. Yeah. That's, they just started promoting it recently. Yeah. So, uh, we just yeah. heard about it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, if you ever get a chance to interview him, he's phenomenal. He's a great guy. Well, I think we're going to the show. Oh, good. Yeah, we're, good. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we're planning on that. Excellent. Yeah. So three songs by Frank and I, 
two songs, the three of us, Frank and Joe and I. Oh, can I just jump in? What yeah. are you given like a timeline at this point? Is this like a race against the clock? Do you ha- is it like a cushiony schedule? Like what's what's it, the? It, you know what? It was great because it wasn't a deadline at that point. Okay. It was really like the movie hadn't even gone into production. Oh, okay. It was, so it was like, we need three th- songs by tomorrow, no, and you no. guys are like, oh, okay. no, okay. and that's right. good that it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was yeah. Very relaxed. That's that's awesome. And so yeah, we had these five songs that we had come up with, and uh, Frank said, I'm going to pay to go into a professional recording studio and get these at least demoed to a yep. point where my brother can hear it as a band rather than just, you know, a piano vocal demo. Yeah. This was my first, uh, also, my first opportunity to get into a professional studio. And that was that was a great That's experience a by itself. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. Because we're talking, at what point, uh, timeline-wise, you came out in 81. Is this 82 now? This is... Uh, 82, yeah, okay. early 82. Wow, jeez. Wow, pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it, was, it was surreal. It really was. So anyway, we wrote these five songs. We, uh, we spent two days in the studio, came up with a mastered cassette, because cassettes were the big thing back then. <laughs> this is going to be a game changer, a cassette. <laughs> yeah, remember? Yeah. What's odd is that cassettes are coming back. I know. I, I don't I, understand yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know. My son, who's five, has a Walkman. And he oh. has, I still have all my soundtrack collections, and he listens to those on his Walkman, on his, you know, and then the new tapes come out, and he's like, oh, I love this tape. And his friends come over, they're like, what's what? that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, talk about a Walkman in a different way okay, cool. <laughs> a little bit later on. Okay. Um, so Frank took this cassette tape over to his brother, and uh, the way Frank told me the story later that evening he said, I'm sorry, Vince, I have to tell you, my brother hated all five songs. Didn't just say they weren't right for the movie. He actually told his brother, sorry, Frank. You know, I hate this. I, stuff, hate, I, I, don't, I hate all five songs. Wow. And that was like, you know, one of these so Oof. close, so yeah. far situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. like, yep. We're, there we were for a minute. Like, all five? Yeah. Really? Come on, all five? All five. All five. Yeah. All five. And... Uh, Frank said, you know, I didn't expect that uh, kind of response. Uh, it were, was pretty extreme. Were any of those songs songs that ended up making it on the soundtrack? I'll get to that. Okay, okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's, uh, don't... that's the fun part of the story. <laughs> so, but it's a windy road. Mm. Um, I took Dramamine, so I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to make the noise, but I can't. I'm laughing. <laughs> so that was... Um, Obviously, a very huge disappointment. Yeah. But I have to give Frank a lot of credit because a day later, he called me up and he said, "Uh, listen, I know it's going to sound crazy, but would you be up for taking one more stab at this? And I said, Frank, what is the use? Your brother just rejected. Not not one out of five, two, a hundred percent of the material that we submitted. He said, I know, I know. He said, I just have a feeling there's a type of song that mm. my brother's looking for okay. for this movie. And mm. if I'm right, we didn't include any of that. We, we didn't include a song of that style in our first batch. And no other artist that is submitting material is has done this. I said, well, what's the parameters? He said, I think we need to come up with a high energy, fast uh, rock tune with theatrical elements. Yep. Mm. And I said, okay. So awesome. he said, can I come over the next day? And, and, you know, I had a garage. I didn't have a professional studio. We had a communal garage of this house we were all living in. It was all musicians. Um, and 
little piano, and Frank had brought over this cassette boombox, <laughs> big monstrosity like this, and uh, weighed sixty pounds. It, yeah, it was you know, huge. Yeah, and uh, he said, you know, he said, sit down at the piano. He says, I didn't bring my my guitar because. I don't think this is going to be a guitar-oriented or acoustic guitar-oriented mm. song. So just sit down at the piano with those parameters and just play, and we'll both know when you arrive at something you know that's worth mm. expanding on. And long story short, within 30 minutes, we had this, this idea, and we had a, an intro, a verse, a chorus, um, and that was it. And, and Frank had no melody at this point. He just had me playing keyboards, he had one lyric in mind for it, um, and he said, okay, after we, we did this 30 minutes of work and we had this idea, he says, let's tape this onto this little cassette boombox, just as a rough demo. Yeah, know? yeah. And he said, so I want you to do the intro, I want you to do a verse chorus, another verse chorus, throw something in the middle, you know, improvise, it doesn't matter, it's just going to be like a placemat for now. And then just come up with some ending. And he said, just, we'll do this, like, three-minute little thing. And I, wow. I was, you know, I was up for that. I knew exactly what he was going for. And so I sat down, and, and I played, Frank pressed record, pressed record, and he had this one melody and one lyric that he sang. The rest of it was all just humming ideas. He didn't mm -hmm. even have any, but he had this one lyric, one hook line. And... Uh, so we recorded it onto this boombox, and Frank said, okay, I'm going to take this tape over to my brother. And I said, Frank, let's go into the studio like we did <laughs> at least. Let's finish the yeah. song and you know, go into a studio with musicians and record it professionally. He said, you know what? Yeah. I ran out of money yeah. with the first batch, yeah. five songs and oh, two gosh. days in the studio. He said, I just don't have the money to do it. But he said, the good thing is I know my brother well enough that he will at least be able to tell us if we're in the right direction or not with this, okay. with this idea. Yep. So <clears throat> I love telling this story. I told yeah, it a I'm, million times. I'm riveted by it. So um, I, uh, Frank said, I'll, I'll let you know what he says. You know, it might be a day or two because I want to get over his house, over at his house and sit and listen to it with him. So I'm not sure that's going to be happening today or tomorrow, but it'll mm -hmm. happen very soon. I'll call you. And I said, okay. So that night... Uh, I took my wife Beth out to dinner, and I wanted to—I really wanted to distract myself from all this yeah. because, of course, you know, I honestly did not allow my hopes to get to a point where I thought this was even going to be a possibility, based on yeah. what happened already. You know, yeah. hard not to though. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is very, yeah. very hard. Especially again, this is my first exposure to this project right. of this magnitude. Yeah. So um, we came back from dinner, and we had this little ancient, uh, what's well, ancient now, but we had this little AT&T white answering machine. I remember <laughs> sitting on our uh, side table beside our bed, and we got in, and, and the little message indicator light was blinking. You have one new <laughs> message. <laughs> and I thought, I said to my wife, I said, I'm pretty sure that that's Frank, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to hear what he has to say, because I'm not, you know, I really, I would rather just not even listen to it. And she said, well, what if it's somebody from our family that's have you know family emergency? Oh or right, something? the empathetic wife comes in and says, "Yes, <laughs> that's right." We need to look at the big picture of life. That's right. <laughs> and so she went over and she says, "I'm going to press play." So he press play, and out of this little answering machine, I can't imitate him, but comes this voice saying, "Vinny, heard the song, home run, 
can't wait to hear it when it's finished. And it was Sylvester Stallone. Whoa. And now he didn't have to call me himself, obviously, right. but Frank, right. with his seeing his brother's reaction, yeah. he probably said, Sly, you need, yeah. you need to, you know, surprise Vince yeah. there. So, I mean, I, I was, I thought I was dreaming. I thought this, this was, this was uh, unbelievable to me. And my wife started crying. She said, that really is him. I said, <laughs> yeah. She said, it's unmistakable. <laughs> So wow, um, we finished the song and we recorded it, and it ended up being called "Far From Over," and that was hmm. the. It ended up being the kind of the theme song of the movie. the best song thank you <laughs> it really, it really is. is and, and it really is you know we were up against the Bee Gees and and i forget who some of the other artists were on the record but the fact that this song and and let me backtrack a little bit so um my mom and dad came out to visit and i was able to take them down onto the sound stage uh, the set of staying alive where they were filming this big dance scene so imagine this you know my mom and dad are with me uh, my wife, unfortunately, could not get off work. We get down and we're surrounded by, uh, Frank and I are surrounded by Sylvester Stallone, John Travolta, the, you know, some of the other cast members, the dancers, the choreographer. And we are, at this point, the heroes because we have come up with the song that his brother was looking for. Yeah. Just like Frank had this gut instinct, and he turned out to be absolutely correct. Well, the movie is a, is is a drama, but it's also a musical as well, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because music is such an important component, the most important component to the film outside of John Travolta, of course. And for those people who haven't seen it, it's a continuation of Tony Manero, his character, and he's cocky, he's brash, and there's a lot of... I saw it in the theater as a kid with my mom, and I loved it, because I just thought John Travolta looks so cool on screen. Mm -hmm. And your song specifically, Far From Over, that it's a part of my workout mix still to this day. There is a DJ that Dustin and I both love, this guy, DJ A, right? And he has these three mixes. They're called the Blood Brother Mixes. And he actually mixes a lot of your music in between like dialogue from films and other inspirational songs from the 80s. And that song, when that comes on and it just hits, you know, yeah. for me, the impact I feel watching. I, I think that we both, Zach and I both bonded over the fact that we both like work out to 80s inspirational soundtracks. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah, and, and your music sort of being a, being a foundation kind of running through a, a lot of that. So uh, yeah, so that's one of the reasons why we uh, not only, you know, connected, but then, yeah, we're like, oh, this is like, this is like a movement, you know, right. uh, the eighties 
life. And that song, I don't think there really had been a song up until that point that sounds like that song. We we got lucky with that. I think people need to revisit it if they haven't heard it or if they haven't heard it in a while, listen to it again because it's a reminder. I'm sure you already played it like 14 times oh, within I will. this interview. Like, yeah. like we've already heard it underneath us a million times. Might be playing right now. Playing right now. Um, but it is this, it's this anthem of like just, I mean, what inspired you to just hit? Like, Wait, and is those... it, but it is replayed a lot, right? Like don't people, don't people, don't people use it a lot in it like was, montages it, now? As absolutely. Like a, yeah. It, it was just used on uh, uh, American Horror Story. Yeah, The newest, the newest yes. season oh, cool. of that. Yes. Okay. It, it so opened like, I'm up. always here and I'm like, oh, there it is. Because it's a big yep. 80s thing, yep. that the theme yep. that they were doing. And, and I was sitting there, because I, I loved the show and I had no idea. And here, <laughs> the show starts and there's, in fact, I remember I was up late and I had taped it. And I just started to fall asleep, and I heard, damn it. Yeah. Woke up, and here's on TV, American Horror yeah. Story, starting out with my song. I hope you got some residuals for that. I hope you invoice well, them so the too. next morning. Yes. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I will. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's been licensed for a number of things, as has some of the stuff from Rocky IV. And, yep. And um, I'm very, very blessed about that. But the, the, the best start of the Far From Over, the best part of the far from over story yeah so we had this song we were the heroes frank and i and uh two days later frank calls me and he was laughing he said you're never going to believe this i said okay peter's laughing (laughs) and he said um my brother has found a place in the movie for all five songs that he rejected (laughs) at the start and (sighs) now i'm thinking You know, and I'm still thinking yeah. this to this day. How can a guy go from hating, right. hating right. five hate, yeah. songs? Hate is a strong word. It is. Right. It, like I say, it's not just, I'm not sure it's right for the movie. Yep. It was yeah. hate. hate. Yeah. How can he go from that to in the space of maybe two weeks yeah. saying, okay, I, I like these songs now enough and I'm going to put them in the movie. And it all had to do with Far From Over. That was like the, wow. the game changer in his mind. We he could, was being a moody guy. Sorry, moody girl. <laughs> very is good. <laughs> I love that song. Actually, I do too. Thank yeah. you for mentioning. Not, not too many people mention that. It's always far from over or never going to give you up. Look, I had the biggest crush on um, her name, Cynthia, Cynthia Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah, she and she does the "I'm Never Gonna Give You Up." That's the other song with Frank, right? Yeah. I mean, I had a huge crush on her in that movie and Runaway, like, and and in the way Tony was treating her, I'm like, "You're such a scumbag, man!" Yeah. He's, she's such a good yeah. girl, and and well, sorry. check this out. So, I love telling this story too. So we had all the songs. Uh, the band had recorded them. Now it's time to put vocals on. Cynthia comes in the studio. Okay, I'm sitting at a grand piano. She sits right next to me, puts her arm around me, oh, and starts, you know, she says, well, how are we going to do this? What part do you want? And I was, again, talk about, you know, culture shock and, and <laughs> complete surprise and a little bit uh, 
taken aback. You know, it was like yeah. she was so friendly and outgoing. And here I knew she was the star, of the female star of this movie. She and, is. Right. And it was a big deal, big deal. And she was sweet. And we worked out the song where Frank was going to sing, where she was going to sing. And it was, it was a great experience. I have a five-year-old son and he loves your music specifically he loves the 80s music when i say bodie what's your favorite music he goes the blood brother mix and i go what's well what is it about that though he's like i like the the din, 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 you know and wow. he's trying to work it out in his head but he also loves yacht rock music in that genre and i would lump those two songs into that kind yes. of like that that mellow late 70s, early 80s vibe, yes. which I grew up on too. I mean, James Taylor, um, Carly Simon, Carol King, Christopher Cross, Christopher Cross Kenny, um, Loggins. Kenny Loggins, yeah. and you know, um, Stephen Bishop, yeah. and uh, another underrated Absolutely. musician in my opinion. Thank you. I, I um, agree. But you know, these, this, this, this music that just, it's, it's like, it's great background music, a great, a great mellow music to just relax to. So those songs come on and you know, and he'll kind of hum along to it. And I'm like saying, wait a minute, this is timeless. If a five-year-old can get into this as much as a 43-year-old or 65 or whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. That, to me, tells me it's timeless. Yeah. So you've created timeless music. I'm, you really I'm, have. I have Truly. been blessed. I've been blessed. You really have. You, you know, and, and you go from the success of this movie, Staying Alive, Oh, and sorry, was the hook was the hook far from over? Was that the hook that, that was, Frank Stallone that was the had? Only the only lyric that he had. Yeah, and that, we save were, me, darling. So he yeah. was just like humming it. Yeah, mm-hmm. far from over. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he didn't have. <laughs> he didn't. We didn't end up with any of the melodies that he was humming at all. It's really, just, just that one hook line, and that's what caught Sylvester Stallone's ears. I love that. I was pl- I was playing it the other day on my headphones, and I hear the sound that, din din, you know, yeah. in this. You did. You created this cinematic journey in a four-minute song that really just has these highs and lows and just a like an urgency to it, and Thank it's you. really fantastic. Yeah. You asked earlier what was you know how did I come up with uh, the the style? Well, yeah. I I was um, a big fan of progressive rock music from the 1970s, and everything okay. you just described—that's what progressive rock is. There's the peaks and valleys. There's uh, changing moods within the same piece. And even though we were only working within a four-minute format, um, you know, progressive rock was like 10, 15 minutes long, yeah. uh, you know, a piece of music. But I borrowed elements from that style. Okay. And I took a chance with that. Frank, also, we both took a chance thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to apply this to a pop song. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think we'd get away with it. Yeah, know? because up until this point, you, the songs you had created for the soundtrack we're more in 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 tune with like Moody Girl and I never want to get yes. more mellow. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. 
And then you create this anthem. Yeah. And on you know, a whim after you get rejected. That's right. That's right. And it, 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 it's talk a, about it's, never giving it's, up. It's so good. It's it's um, like I say, I've wait, told wait, the story wait. a million times and, and I still love telling it because it gives me that feeling that I had when I when we were going through it. It was like, wow, this is uh, it's still magical. Truly, did me. you save the uh, answering machine? Message? I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I didn't know how to do it back Man. then. I should have. I yep. know. Do you yep. know the Do you know the song "Answering Machine" by Rupert Holmes? I know. <laughs> Is there really a song called? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. Um, he also has a song about. This is uh, a weird aside. That's a bad song. Anyway, well, no, do you know right. that song? No, but just this idea of that. It, it, it's it. He's he's going to call his wife or his girlfriend to propose to her, and right before he goes to ask her if she wants to marry him, the answering machine cuts out, and she calls him back. This is all in the song. She calls him back and expresses her love to him and is about to answer whether he wants she's gonna accept the proposal and his answer when oh, she goes out. Man. And it goes can back you and imagine forth. can <laughs> you imagine great great uh, Rupert Holmes a great device pe- escape the pina colada song fame <laughs> you know device. he had another hit. <laughs> Anyways I'm just I saying. always say to Zach this is also this is total digression, but That's how okay. voice messages now like people, because Zach, when I call him, he's like, hey, this is, you know, you say like your number and then you're like, leave a message at the tone. I'm like, first of all, nobody needs to know what to do with the tone. <laughs> Everybody knows. If you're a That's human a being, point. you know what's going on. But then the tone, then the voicemail lady comes in after he says, leave a message. And she's like, please leave a message. Yeah. So now we have it twice. Uh, yeah. Time is not right. wasted. Think about how much time. Yeah. So I just say like, do we really even need, do we need any of that? Long no. story short, I'm changing my uh, yeah. outgoing change? message. Are you? Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Calling you. All right. I'm, so. I'm terrible with leaving messages. Peter knows this because it goes on and on and on. In fact, I use the editing function. You know, where, where the girl says, you know, if you want to re-record anything, I, I, it's like nine yeah. times yeah. out yeah. of ten, yeah. I hit, you know, it's right. like I'm recording a song. Right. I wish I, I had that crazy. back in the day when I would call girls up and ask <laughs> if they wanted to go out with me and I'd leave this horrible message and <laughs> that's probably why <laughs> they didn't call me back. <laughs> yeah. um, so mm. Far From Over, yeah. so Staying Alive comes out in 83. And, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people consider it to be a cheesy movie or whatever. Look, I personally enjoy it. And my whole take is if you like something, that's all that matters. All it doesn't matters. matter what other people say, critics and whatnot. But that song, <laughs> I remember recording it off of the TV right. uh, on a cassette player so I could have it for myself. And Columbia Records comes out and is one of the CDs or the cassettes I bought for a dime, you know, or a penny wow. or whatever. I don't think I ever, I think I might still owe them money. That's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. Um, You're but, talking about the CD clubs? Yeah, the CD clubs. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. club before that. Yeah. But uh, so you, you had success from that. And then did, did that movie propel you into Rocky IV? It prepared me for, do we have time to talk about all this? It's I mean, up to you. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I oh, can, I can sure. go on and on, like I say, yeah. you know. Um, we would love that. So it set me up for um, the circumstances for Rocky IV, let me put it that way. And the story goes, um, I, my manager was also Frank Stallone's manager. That's how I, I you know, ended up with a manager. I got to know Robin Garb is his name. And after we did Staying Alive and he heard uh, Far From Over and all, he said, Vince, you know, you, you should consider scoring movies. And I honestly, at that point, had not thought about it. The okay. only thing at that point, I was had written pop songs for a movie. Right. 
But in those pop songs, like Far From Over, there was some cinematic elements to it. Totally. Absolutely. And, Booty Girl, for sure. Yeah. And uh, so Robin said, you know, maybe you should consider, maybe we should consider getting you up for some film work. And he said, along those lines, <laughs> he said, uh, he, he happened to be the music supervisor for all of Sylvester Stallone's films up to that point. Okay. Okay. And he said, I know for a fact, nobody else knows this yet, that Sylvester Stallone had a falling out with Bill Conti mm. after Rocky III. It was over um, a song, a vocal song, I believe. I don't know all the details. Mm. But, and he said, he's going to need somebody to score this movie. And he's talking to me. And yeah. I know where he's going with this and thinking he's either playing a joke on me or... You know, something is not right about this. And and he said, I think that you should go after this movie. Yeah. Scoring wow. this movie. I said, Robin, I you know, you know what I've done because you manage me. I, I haven't even scored a movie and you're talking about the fourth movie in one of the biggest franchises ever. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because yeah. up until this point, Rocky, I think, was maybe the only franchise off the top of my head that I can think of that had spawned more than just a sequel. Yeah. Outside of Star Wars. I think you're right about that, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he said, now, yes, after I said that, he said, it's a, admittedly a long shot, you know. Yeah. But he said, what do you have to lose? You know, here's my game point. plan. He came up with a game plan. This is what I suggest. He said, I know all the plot points, the main plot points of the movie because I'm working, you know, very side by side with Sly and he's feeding me. He's telling me all these ideas. So oh, man. I know them firsthand. Oh, my God. He said, I'm just going to feed you these ideas. And he said, you know, it's a Rocky movie, so you know they're, they're going to need a training scene. They're going to need a fight scene, obviously, the big boxing scene. Yeah. And there's going to be a couple tender moments between Rocky and Adrian. And I happen to know that there's going to be a, a, a death of a, of a big character mm -hmm. in the franchise. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm getting chills. As so, yeah. And he said, oh. and, and let, me, let me say. Let me just put a scarf on Zach. Hold on one yeah. second. <laughs> Hold <laughs> me. You know, it, it, let me say that, uh, you know, when, when Sly came down to that soundstage and all this stuff was going on, um, I'm a fan of Rocky you know, the, the whole franchise. I came into this as, wow, this is, uh, you know, one of the biggest movie stars, one of my favorite movies. Rocky won one of my favorite movies of all time. Ditto, yeah. yeah. Um, um, one of the most well-known score. I mean, this, there are very few people that hear Rocky and are like, what's that? Yeah. You know, when you dun, 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 the second you hear it. So, so, right, so there's a little pressure. There's in the pressure. Sense. Yes, I guess so, is what we're getting at. You know, there's a little, yeah. Robin said, yeah. uh, let's, let's, uh, so he's talking, he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm thinking, we're talking about a Rocky movie here. We're talking about music yep. for a Rocky movie. Anyway, he said, <laughs> do, do for me, do five songs, do five You're demos. Like, no, that's the, that's the bad number. Yeah, five. I do five. People don't like five. <laughs> know, right? After, I hate five. After yeah. staying alive. <laughs> right, that's right. right. I didn't even make that. <laughs> connection. Like, no, I'll do, I'll do half a song. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he said, just just make demos to the best of your ability. We know that you can't, you know, afford to go into a big studio and hire an orchestra and all that stuff. Just do the best with what you have. And I had, at this point, my wife and I had moved out of the house into our own apartment. And in the den of this apartment, I had a piano, a synthesizer, 
and a an eight track Fostex reel to reel tape wow. analog tape machine. Wow, that was what I had uh -huh. to record on. Yeah, and he said just use that, come up with some ideas, and when you're done, play them for me, and we'll we'll talk about them and see if you know what we need to do to get them presentable. Okay. And I said, okay. I love that he had a game plan, by the way. I, I mean, love, yeah, I feel like you never hear about this anymore. No. Like people like, like, you know, giving you that kind of boost that you need. Yeah. Like, here's the game plan. We're going to yeah. do this. And this is the step. And here are the steps. It's like, now yeah. it's just like, good luck yeah. out there. Have yeah. a good time. Are you making me money? Thanks so much. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, the game, anyway, I just the, wanted to say that. The I, game plan was Robin's and it was excellent. That's fantastic. And, and it, it sounds, really yeah. It really was. And, uh, the first piece that I came up with, the first melody I came up with when I sat down at the piano ended up being Training Montage. So that was the training scene. I was I, I knew that that was going to be one of the most iconic moments in the movie. Yes. So I was that I wanted to get out of the way and see if I could even do it first to my liking. Okay. The big and, challenge, the yeah. biggest one. Yeah. And uh, and the nice thing about all this is I had nobody breathing down my neck. It wasn't, you know, Robin said just go off and do your thing, but Sylvester Stallone knew nothing about this, so I didn't have him mm -hmm. as the director saying, I want this and this and this. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was very freeing for me because you put that together with the fact that I was convinced I wasn't going to get this job. No. So it was right. just like, I'm going to have fun right. with this. You know? Yeah, because Bill That's Conti up to this point, Bill Conti was one of the next two, you know, just off the top of my head, he was one of the top composers Absolutely. for film. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. On the level of Star Wars as well, and um, you know, I'm, I'm blanking right now on the name of the composer for Star Wars. John Williams. John, John Williams. Williams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like John Williams, <laughs> Bill Conti. Yeah, you know yeah. that guy. Bill Conti though was like was the, right one of the top. Yeah. You know, and here you are coming in. Yeah. Still fresh. Yes. And and new to the game. Yes. A little overwhelming, little, you <laughs> Completely. know, right? Yeah. It, it, but again, it was so surreal to me and so yeah. impossible that, you know, I hear all this stuff coming at me. Bill Conti's out, and, you know, you, maybe you could. And it's like, I'm just going to, I know I'm not going to get this, so I am yeah. going to have fun. I'm going to picture myself as if I'm writing music for a Rocky movie. I mean, I think this is the key to everything, what you're saying. Yeah. Like when we, with, as artists, you know, yeah. it's just like having fun. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah. And there are so many reasons why you don't always achieve that. That's and correct. it's like, come back to that. Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. I really appreciate that thought. So I um, guess. Yeah. So uh, I said, okay, Robin. So I, I wrote that, you know, training montage first. Then I did a couple little piano synthesizer string little like minute and a half pieces for tender moments you know and then i uh, came up with this this death and funeral theme you know again not knowing 
he didn't even tell me who it was. He says, all I can tell you is there's going to be a major character that's going to going to die in this. And uh, I was going to say, you, you didn't have, it's not like you had a script ahead of time no, to go over. No, it was right. just general ideas at this point. Okay. And uh, so I, I made this demo, and it sounded okay. You know, it, it sounded, uh, it didn't sound professional. It was, it was a good idea tape for me to use as a reference. And Robin said, what can we do to fix this up without spending a lot of money? And, and okay. uh, I had a friend in Lake Charles, Louisiana, um, Ed Fruget, and he had a professional studio, yeah. Yeah, a beautiful studio. And I said, Ed, you know, this is a long shot. I told him about this. I said, this is a long shot, but can I bring this tape over to you? I'll fly over to Louisiana and and we'll spend a week and see what we can do. And if, you know, if this ends up doing something, you can be my co-producer on this. And he loved that idea. Awesome. You know? yeah. Wow. That's so great, great deal. We went over there and, um, you know, we added to my demo. Uh, luckily, Ed had connections to one of the local universities. And the head of the orchestra at that university said, oh, man, this is, uh, you yeah. know, this is great opportunity for us, too. Yeah, totally. So everything just kind of came together. And then we ended up with this great sounding demo of five songs. And I played it for Robin we were, when I was back from Lake Charles. And he said, wow. He said, now we're ready. I feel like we have the ammunition. And I said, well, what, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to wait for the right moment. And I'll keep you posted. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you if anything develops, of course. He called me up one day. He said, so Sly was in his uh, trailer by himself today, taking a break from the production. He said, I saw that as my golden opportunity, <laughs> and I had a Walkman with me and a pair of headphones. Here we go, Walkman yeah, story. Yeah. And he said, I had this your cassette in this Walkman. And he said, the way he tells the story, he said, Sly, I just want you to listen to something. He didn't tell him anything about it. And, of course, Sly says, well, what am I listening to? He says, I'm not going to say anything. Just oh. put, put the headphones on yeah. and press play. Interesting. And the way Robin tells the story, within 30 seconds, um, Sly jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? <laughs> and he said, that's the guy that wrote Far From Over and all the other stuff in Staying Alive with Your Brother. Yeah. He said, Vinny? He said, yes, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny? That's what he called him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said, you got to hire him. He's got to do this, this film. And Robin's telling me this, you know, on the phone. He said, you got the job. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Fantastic. Now I was frightened out of my, you know, mind. Well, yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're, oh, Because now it was real. Now and you yeah. got to fly out the orchestra from the college <laughs> and you gotta put them in your apartment. That's and... right. <laughs> Where am I going to find room for all these people? The den's That's not amazing. big enough. But, um, you know, I remember looking over at my wife. You know, I was I'm on the phone and she heard what, what the outcome was. I got off the phone. I said, now what do I do? Yeah. You know, it really is time. the mouse that yeah. roared. You know, I didn't think I was going to get this. And now it hit me. So Sylvester Stallone, Rocky movie, um, Bill Conti out, me in. I got to fill that, that hole, you know? Yeah. yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, but, you know, and again, I have to go back to progressive rock. That was what I used sort of at the... One of the reasons I moved out to L.A., one of the bands that influenced me was Toto, okay? Oh, Toto's nice. fantastic. Okay. Right. Talk about session musicians, too. Yeah. That was that yeah. was what inspired yeah. me to come out yeah. here and be a session 99. musician. 99, Yeah. And very sing. good. Thanks. My son <laughs> sings it all the time. I'm not joking. So, really? Yeah, I'm not Your joking. Your five-year-old son? Yeah, because we're getting up to the 100th day of school. And I go, well, next week, what's the number that comes right before 100? He goes, 99, Woo. <laughs> It's a great song. It's a great it song. It is a great song. And, <laughs> oh, man. And I'm trying to think where this would have been in the Toto timeline. I think, I'm not sure. I think Rosanna might have been, have been out by that time. Yeah, because we're talking like 80, we're talking 84 at yeah. this point. Yeah. Late 83, 84. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Rosanna, the, yeah. Toto 4, I think, had already been released. Oh, Africa and all that stuff. And that was inspiring to me. And oh, yeah. Progressive rock. So I, what I did for Rocky Four. My my blueprint, and again, as I was doing this, I had no idea that I was going to get it. I didn't think I was, so I just said, the hell with it. I'm going to do, I'm going to bring in progressive rock elements, little uh, Toto, uh-huh. and I'm going to, I, I had this idea from the beginning. It was right when Phil Collins came out with his gigantic drum sound, okay? Mm, yeah. it, was, it was like, identifiably, yeah, you know? So I wanted, you know, very good. Yeah, nice. God, you guys are... I can do 99, too. Jeez. What a team. I'll tell you exactly like Phil. When's your record come out? Sometime next summer. We actually want to do a live podcast where we put together a band. That's the real reason why we invited you, actually. So we got you on keys. No, I'm kidding. No, but I'm not joking about that, that we want to do songs of our favorite songs from movies and have some guests on as Oh, well. wow. So maybe down Please the road. keep me in mind. I will. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That would be yeah, really I'd cool. love to be a yeah. part of that. Wow. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be an yeah. honor. That would be an honor. Um, so, you know, I had these elements in my mind, and I wanted the drums. This was from the very beginning. I had it in my mind. Bill Conti was a, is, a, is a great composer. Yes. The way he used rock and roll in his scores, however, and it was how everybody did at that point. It was like, Orchestra, rock band. You know what I mean? Yeah. The rock yep. band was just there. It's mm-hmm. just okay. That's that's you know bring a couple of drum tracks and guitar and bass yep. just to make sure there's some rock elements. But it wasn't really thought about. It wasn't really focused on. Yeah. It was like supporting the orchestra. And otherwise, I, otherwise it was a musical like Eddie and the Cruisers. That's right. Where you know John Cafferty's music was the soundtrack, but it was a musical. That's right. You know. So, that's right. Yeah. So I had the thought from the very beginning that I wanted the rock elements to be the forefront for this, for my score. Mm-hmm. And luckily, when my orchestrator came in, uh, Jeremy Lubbock, who's uh, absolutely amazing, worked with David Foster, worked with uh, so many people. And he got it right away when he heard my demos. And he said, Vince, the orchestra has to support the synths. That's mm. the way this has to be. Uh-huh. And he got it right uh-huh. from the beginning. And... He said, "We're going to have orchestra, and it's you know it's oh, going to be man. it's going to be great, and it's going to be big, but y- your synthesizer sounds that you're using are so cool. I wouldn't want to replace them. I just want to support them yeah. with, with the real elements." 
and we had that formula from the very beginning. And wow. That was, uh, that was a blueprint that I used to create the music. You know, it's so interesting. So we, we on, our, on our Instagram page, we put out, uh, we were promoting the, the episode, and we asked our followers if they had any questions for you. And it's funny because some of the questions have already been answered. Like, uh, there's this guy, his name's Alex, and his, his, his handle is Unicron's Beard, which I think is pretty oh, funny. But he had asked what your prog rock influences were and if they kind of you know bled over into your actual music and absolutely. then there you go with yep. that Toto story yep. which is so yep. fantastic yep. yeah and um, and then also uh, I have to tell you that Derek Allen he's the DJ who does the Blood Brother mix okay. he, apparently you know he said he loves your music and has been a big influence on him and which I think is a really that's great yeah and we're a big fan of his obviously and that's a big compliment and, and then the Talk Back podcast which is another podcast that uh, follows us was asking specifically, you know, the method of creating music around a script or not reading a script. And then you came, like you said, you came yep. up with these songs, this demo, yeah. without even just having like a a, a, a smidgen. Right. So was the, so the music that you created as the demo, was that pretty close to what you eventually created on screen or was it totally different? Uh, it, it was very close. Um, okay. That's and, really great. And yeah. what's, what's really cool is the demo for... Uh, training montage and the piece called War, which was the the fight scene. Yeah. Music. Um, the demos that we had done with between myself and Ed in Louisiana and out in L.A. and all, they ended up being the record versions of the song. They were that good wow. recording quality. Wow. But now that was before the movie was shot. So okay. now the challenge is, you know, you see the the scene and. You have to make that song, which they all love, and they've tempt, you know, they've tempt uh, the the movie with my music, which mm-hmm. was very cool. That, that helped me a lot. Right. Yeah. But um, they had to cut up the music to fit the scenes. So now it was my job to rearrange these pieces to fit the movie and hit, you know, all the hits and everything. And uh, um, so specifically in the case of training montage and war. Uh, there were some some significant differences between the record version and and the soundtrack version. Specifically with War, uh, that's a big story with that one too. <laughs> uh, I love it. Oh, I got a big story. Um, okay, so I was on I was on the dubbing stage uh, with the soundtrack, uh, the dialogue editor, the music editor. And uh, sound effects. Okay, so we're three of us in the back, and it's. I found out later it's very rare that a composer is allowed even to be, especially mm. a first-time composer, to be on that stage when they're mixing all these elements. Really? Yes. Yeah, at okay. at that point, they told me, "Man, you, that was a rare thing." You should feel lucky about yourself, Shane. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, um, and so this was the first time that Sly was going to see the fight scene with my music. Okay, he had, he had heard War, he had been living with that song, but he hadn't seen it up against the footage yet. Okay, so this was the first time, God, I, sh- I should never tell this story, and I've told it a million times. Oh, I, that's well, the story we love. Yeah, now you gotta keep feet. going. <laughs> so um, Sly came in again with his entourage and his wife, Brigitte Nielsen at the time, with her entourage, Oh my gosh! So they took up they took up one <laughs> one awesome. row in the middle of this big theater. Of course down, they did down on the MGM lot, and uh, and I watched him. I, I 
I just watched his ba body language from behind, you know, back in the back in the back of the theater, just to see if I could tell if he's liking this or right. you know. And of course, I couldn't tell anything. He was facing away from me, and you know, he's sitting there watching a the movie. And, that fur coat was in the way. Yeah, no, he might have had that <laughs> yeah. on oh, really? that day. Actually, <laughs> I remember that coat. Oh, and um, and uh, you know, I saw him every once in a while. He'd lean over to his wife and say something or somebody else. And, but then the movie is over, okay? And they all stand up, getting ready to leave. And I notice that Sylvester is looking around the room and he doesn't look happy. Mm. Oh, He's looking for somebody and his eyes land on me. And I could tell, uh-oh, this was gonna be bad. Something, he obviously is upset about something and I am the cause of mm. it. Yeah. Now, again, put yourself in my place. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> You know, I'm a big fan of his, uh, and I wanted more than anything else to please this guy. This sure. was my first opportunity, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Frank is, like, not, he's not involved, He's not involved, involved right? he's with, not, oh, great. No, right. this was after, you know, two, two, three years after staying alive. I mean, Frank was around, but he right. wasn't a part of the production. Right, he's a yeah. songwriting yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it happened to be the one day that my manager, Robin, could not be on the set with me to run interference with Sylvester mm. Stallone because there's a whole thing. You're right, right. That's another thing. So, uh, <laughs> so Sylvester is starting to walk up the aisle toward me with his entourage, okay, behind him. It's like this train of people coming forward mm -hmm. with his, he's like the, you know, the lead of the, of the train. And, and uh, um, he was actually red in the face. He was this angry about something. Oh my gosh. So he came up to me and he said, oh, no. Vince, he said, he shook his head. He said, what the F did you do to that music? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm shaking in my boots, but I'm trying not to show that. I'm trying yeah. to be Mr. Confident, you yeah, know, yeah, film score sure. composer. Yeah. Sure. And, I, and, it, and luckily the words came to me, well, tell, you know, Sly, tell me what you don't like yeah. and I'll fix it. Yeah. That's luckily those words came yeah. to me rather than, oh, you know. right. well, what did it you, was him. What did you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. did it. What? And he said he could not uh, vocalize what he meant. He said, I just hate it. I just hate it's back to the word hate again. Oh, he says, no. I, I just hate yeah, it. And I said, strong word. Boy. And I said, uh, what about it do you hate? He said, well, he said, the, the, the song war that we've been living with, I don't hear it like it is on the record. It's, it sounds different to me. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is the intelligence level here. And I don't mean to be, <laughs> you know, I, I know where he was going yeah. with this. And I thought, this can't be. Yeah. But it ended up actually being true. I said, Sly, I said, oh, no. the, 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 the length of the piece that I wrote is like four and a half minutes long. Yeah. Your fight scene is seven and a half to eight minutes long. I had to come up with different music. I couldn't just loop the song yeah. back to the beginning. Well, why not? Oh my God. Oh boy. I said, Sly, oh I God. said, you, you wouldn't want me to do that. This, that would sound even worse than what you think you're hearing right now. He said, well, yeah. I just don't know about this new music. I just don't know, and I, I hate it. I just, okay. now. Or now, I hate the, the new three and a half minutes or whatever, whatever well, you'd he added. Even, he didn't even, he didn't, it didn't even get to that point. He didn't. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't express that. Ah. He just said, "I just don't like it." Wow. You know, wow. I just don't like how it. And he, his his description was, "I don't like how it sounds now compared to how it did in the on the record." And I could not convince him that there was no other way. I had to write. I had to add some new music to this, to the theme, 
I, I said, Sly, the themes are always there. It's, it's still the same oh as I wrote. God. Yeah. I, I know, but I just don't like it. So who comes to the rescue? Now, you gotta, gotta picture this scene. Um, behind Sly and Brigitte, Brigitte is next to him now. He's going into me like this, okay? And she's just like, like, looking like, what the heck? Why is my husband going off on this guy about something? And behind were um, Chardoff Winkler, who were the producers of the film. Okay? Yeah. They were Sly's boss, okay, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They were behind Sly going like this to me. And I'm waving my hands for those of you who can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Waving their, you know, like, and I found out later, what they were trying to say to me is, don't listen to him. Don't pay any yeah. attention yeah. to what he's saying, Okay. I didn't know that at the time. And again, remember, my manager was not here to run interference for me, which I... No, of course you're going to pay attention. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's your music. You just, yeah, he's coming at you. So Brigitte Nielsen saves the day. She said, Sly, she said, now, to set this up, it's a Rocky movie, okay? There are, you know, I'm going to exaggerate. There are already 50,000 trumpets and trombones and brass instruments on this record because yep. it's a Rocky movie. Yeah. What does Brigitte Nielsen say? Maybe it just needs more trumpets, Sly. He goes, that's it. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's God. it. It's going to be huge. And then it clicked on, <laughs> this is this is the level of, you know, there's something, there is no connection here. Wow. Yeah. All I have right. to do is be a yes man. Right. Okay, yep. got it. Yep. That's easy yep. to do, Sly. I yep. can do that. I'll go in the studio uh, tomorrow and we'll fix it up. It was almost like the 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 balloon deflated. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the anger deflated. Out of, like, out of Sly. Right. Out of Sly. And, wow. and thanks to his wife, yeah. you know. Well, clearly there's a pattern, too, from going from the five songs that I hate on Staying Alive to suddenly I love those songs now that Far From Away. It's like, you know, you get somebody at a weird time, yeah. you know, but it's a lot of times you could say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that note. And what do you do? You remove one thing or you add one thing. Oh, it's so different now. <clears throat> yeah. This is amazing now. Well, I didn't do anything. Yeah. You I didn't mean, do anything, right. No, I right. didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't any and trumpet. I never heard right. anything yep. back I added from some trumpet. Yeah. I added some trumpet. There you go. I, if he would have, well, if he right. would have said to me, I would have said, "Yeah, the I new added trumpets some more are trumpets. great." Yeah. yeah like, so you didn't add anything oh, to it. Didn't add anything. <laughs> That's even. I mean, I think we went yeah. into the studio, and I, uh, yeah. my my friend Casey uh, was wow. a synth programmer. He had this this little sampler. So I think we put up like a solo trumpet. We were all laughing. Yeah. It's like yeah. we already right. had all right. these. How is this right. one little thing gonna make any difference? Right. And we realized oh it's God. not. So we just left everything away. Wow. That's crazy. Just proves that, that can't even talk. No, it like, just ah. it just proves to me that like there's so right. many elements that people may or may not under, not understand that goes into making a movie, yeah. especially specifically the music yeah. and how important that music is. And one little thing can just change the dynamic of the music, yeah. you know, and or or the tone of the song. Like maybe he said, "Well, I want the tempo lower here or higher here." Right. Next thing you know, it totally changes it from this memorable piece to a throwaway yeah you know and it, obviously it worked and it's memorable yeah. uh to this day 
there's a there's a, a fan of ours named uh, Jack Burke, and he one of the questions he asked is, "Do you think you'll do more live events in the future?" And I wanted to come back to uh, your time in Spain yeah. recently, where yeah. you re- where you can you talk to us about what you did in Spain with the score to Rocky? Absolutely, um, and this is another instance where you know somebody contacts me about this music that I did over three decades ago and says, you know, we want to put you in a big program with. Uh, uh, for a film music, a world-renowned film music festival, film music, uh, uh, yeah, film music festival. And he said, we, we just love your, your Rocky Four score, and we want that to be like the focus of this big concert, hour-and-a-half concert with orchestra and rock band. And, oh, and so we want cool. you to headline. So cool. I said, well, how, what do you mean headline? He said, the, the concert is going to end with you. It's going to be an 18-minute medley of Rocky Four At 4 a.m., at spain it goes man and and this was the producer of the event um, and and he he's just such a fan that he said i've been looking for an opportunity to get this in the film festival for years and now he says i I kind of stepped it up i love it i want you to come over and you know we'll, we'll take care of you and i want you to stay for a couple of weeks because we want you to do something to open the festival and then we want you to do some um what do they call master classes? You know, okay. where I would talk to students about the composition process and how I've gone oh, about man. it. Oh man! Oh wow! Because it's treat. A, you know That's musicians cool. wow. uh, music over there is 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 treated with such respect, and the kids are started at an earlier age, so they really have this love of, and passion for music, and they're great musicians at an early age. You know, so to talk to them was a real treat. Even I didn't speak the language; I had to have an interpreter, but um, Does Peter speak? <laughs> no, not not one word. <laughs> um, so, and luckily Peter was yeah. with me. I, I don't know how I could have survived without. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was my handler, my manager, my handler, my, you know, he took care of all the um, uh, merchandise. Uh, well, not all of it that time. And I was horribly sick. Yes, oh, he, was. Oh, gosh. he was. But what a treat that must have been. Well, also for you. I mean, look. I am a musician, not a professional musician, but I've done I've taught school of rock classes and I've been in a band and Dustin and I Dustin and I, like I said, we're like, we're putting this thing together, we're gonna make this happen, you know, play these songs that we love so much from the eighties. Being on stage, performing your music yeah. and the journey that you took us down and how it got to be the way it is, yeah. that's so like I get chills just thinking about yeah. it. That's so cool. Well, I had played my music live on previous occasions, but usually it was for Transformers conventions. I was so going to say, yeah. I had to play, you know, Transformers music. I didn't really get a chance to play uh, some of my other stuff. And uh, this was, let me backtrack. I got an opportunity in 2018, was the Whiskey? Whiskey a go-go, world famous club in, yeah. in, in LA. And uh, my daughter that. Danielle actually is the one that Is that where Joe is playing? That Joe's playing at the whiskey. Joe is playing, is he yeah. playing whiskey. the whiskey. Yes. Yeah. That's excellent. Not I can't I yes. I will definitely be yes. contacting. <laughs> yeah. I played the whiskey yes. as well back in the day yeah. and it's it's so much fun. But well, I, I had never even been in the club and oh. I was I've been out here for you know all these decades yeah. and never was in the whiskey. Oh wow. Uh, so amazing. My daughter Danielle, bless her heart, said 
dad, you should play the whiskey. Let me get in touch with them and let's set something up. Yeah. She took the initiative and she's not even in the music business. You know, she, uh, she just, she, just, she loves that. my music. She loves her dad's fact that he's in the music business. That's and, so cool. And she got this ball rolling and uh, sure enough, we got to put on a show at the whiskey and I did two sets. Um, wow. Got, a, got an amazing band together. Now, this was my first opportunity outside of Transformers conventions. This was the, the general public. And I wasn't sure how it was going to be received, especially at a, a famous club like yeah. Whiskey. I knew I had a following, and I knew I had people that liked my music, but this was going to be a test, you know. And uh, uh, I had, I still have a, a rock band that I'm, I've been trying to get off the ground now for probably about seven years. Other things keep getting in the way. It's called Saga Star. Uh, it's a, a four-piece rock band, progressive rock band. Cool. So the first set that night was the sort of the debut of Saga Star. Nice. Okay, the second set was me doing Transformers music, Rocky IV music, Staying Alive, some video game music that I wrote with my partner Kenny Meredith. Yes, cool. And uh, so this was the first time I was presenting this music outside of a Transformers convention. Okay, wow. and the crowd really—they were excellent. They were very, very uh, receptive enthusiastic even some people at the whiskey that work there said you know this was one of the best uh musical nights we've had in a long time and for them it. to say that you know i love it that was a big yeah that was really a big compliment well i mean and i want to talk i know we've been eating That's up right. a lot of your time That's and i just right. want to talk a little bit about transformers as well but your music to me and Dustin, I would think would agree. It, it's and I've said it don't before. Don't speak for me. How I, many I'm, times have I told? <laughs> don't make me put you in a chair. Um, don't make me far from over you in the face. <laughs> your music is timeless. No, it really, and I've said it before. It is like if it resonates with someone that is in their eighties, down to five or whatever. Who cares? Like yeah. that is powerful. Yeah, yeah. And there's something about the image with the music that just. I don't know, for me personally, really, it, it, it's like that dream you have and you wake up and you like you remember everything, the smell, the, the visuals, the sound, and you're like, it's all part of that same, pro like that's to me, your music, that's how it feels to me. Thank you. You know? Thank and you. it is not just working out, it's also in the no. car and I'm driving home and it's just like something that no, makes you, me feel you're positive. You're feeling down, you need a little pick-me-up, you yeah. put on a little Vince. All right. Gets you, gets you I'm, I'm honored. In, the, in, the, in, the, in the right mindset. Do you, you perform with visuals when you do? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right? Because I, I didn't at first. I yeah. didn't at first, but I played this function in 2000. <laughs> I, just, it, I think this was the early 2018 called MAGFest. It stands for Music and Games Festival. Okay. And they asked me to perform live, and they asked me specifically not just to do video game music, but to do stuff from Rocky IV. Uh -huh. And I said, well, these people that are coming to this convention, they're not moviegoers, they're, you know, video game. Yeah. Oh, you don't understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, you, yeah. you, you're going to be surprised. Yeah. And I was. I yeah. was. Now, another part of the story, um, and I'm jumping around again. It's okay. I had had a heart attack two, two weeks before I was to do this concert. Oh, okay. Man. And my doctor said, I, I said, uh, you know, should I even do that? Because I had, uh, this was in the middle of preparing for this. And it wasn't that that created the heart attack. It was a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. But certainly the stress of putting the show together yeah. didn't help, you know. So I was two weeks away from doing this job. I had a heart attack. And my wife said, well, you can't 
you know, even think of going. To, this was back east to right. do this thing okay. in in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. And I said, yeah, I know that kind of <laughs> takes care of that. And the doctor said, not necessarily. He said, and of course, my wife hated hearing this. Right. She really wanted. <laughs> right, me, right. She, she really wanted doctor, me to stay. You said the other thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> and 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 I even had a, a friend, a very dear friend, who is a has toured the world for like 30 years with a major rock group telling me don't i've had this happen vince to me don't go and do this because you you don't know your rest yeah, yeah. just take yeah. it easy yeah. doctor said listen if you're not unless you're jumping around for an hour and a half on stage you have my blessing to go and do this oh, i think it'll be man. good for you so, so conflicting now you're like, it, it, you know and, and right. my wife and i had many yeah. many conversations and i said you know what i'm gonna do it i just feel yeah. in my gut and i want to do it yeah so long story short i get out on the stage now they i had no idea of the production they were going to put on because i had just gotten there to do a rehearsal the day of the concert with this band i had never met okay so I really didn't get a chance to wow, see one day, one day, wow. four hours oh to gosh. rehearse, you know, this music. And at that point, it was 30 minutes of music. It wasn't a full concert, but still 30 yeah. minutes of Rocky Four Transformer. 30 minutes, you know. yeah. yeah. With a band you've never played with. So I'm backstage waiting, you know, behind a curtain. And when I go on stage, the reception, there was like 700 people there, which is a good number of people at a convention like this for, yeah. for uh, yeah. to come to one concert. And they were so receptive that I knew as soon as I walked on that stage that I was meant to do this job. Yeah, you I know? love it. And oh, I, told the, so cool. I told the crowd about this, how, you know, how good it, it was, how therapeutic yeah. this was, yeah. and yeah. a lot of it due to their response to, to this music. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I didn't know that they had prepared visuals behind me. Um, oh. They had a guy named Nate Horsfall, who I've since hired uh. to do stuff for other concerts of mine and it was the, really the first time i had visuals and in, in, in not just scenes from movies but he had put together some really cool visuals uh, not related to the movies for some of the video game stuff and um so that that started off the blueprint for so that was magfest in 2018 then did the whiskey later in that year and then last year, last summer, we performed down in San Diego. That was my, that was also just like the whiskey, except we added another song to the set list. Was it Comic-Con weekend or something? It was, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a place called Brick by Brick, which was like five miles from the convention. So okay. we had, you know, some of the people from the convention come over. In fact, Hasbro was there that night uh, introducing their <laughs> new their new Unicron toy. I don't know if you guys are... Yeah, we. I have a buddy of mine who his his thing is see it, want it, yeah. buy it. When it comes yeah. to transformer toys, yeah. and uh, see it, want yeah. to buy it, Fern, yeah. Fernand, and and, and when, yeah, he bought the new Unicron. That's what he sounds like, right? Yeah, he did. Oh my gosh, it's so cool! Well, like, yeah, he goes to Comic Con every year, and because he, I mean, like I, I've got a five year old, so of course he's into Transformers oh, sure. too. And we've watched Transformers probably, I don't know at least 10 times my son and I have wow. and he's at the age now where it, it doesn't scare him because some of the visuals can be really intense Absolutely. and your score specifically can yeah. really draw out some some emotions that can make the viewer scared yeah. you know yeah. Uh, and, 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 yeah. yeah to yeah. your you know I think that's a credit obviously to you because it, it's something like you know the Unicron comes on and there's that doom 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 pulsing the beat and Bodhi's like I don't want to watch this right no. now and now he's like ooh this is really good because now he's into Greek mythology wow. and like 
you know, learning about how, and Greek mythology is really graphic, you know, yeah. Kronos sure. eating his children and whatnot, and uh, Medusa and all this stuff. So now that stuff doesn't face him. That's great. So we watch your movie, and he's and he's singing the, you know, he's singing the melodies and the songs, and 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 even though you know the touch is known as Stan Bush, you worked with Stan Bush creating that song, right? No, it had nothing to do with uh, the touch. The, I the, I wrote a song called Dare. 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 That's what it and, is. Dare. And and yeah. uh, Dare. Uh, Stan sang the song. Yeah. yeah, I wrote it with a friend of mine, Scott Shelley, who wrote the lyrics, and I wrote the music. And it was a really good fit. Stan did yeah. a, a phenomenal job yeah, of selling did. that song. You know, it was great. But but right. but it's the music. Yeah, it's 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 not just the awesome vocals, but it's everything involved in that song that really you know, it just just really makes you want to just get up and jump around and. Thank you. reason why we do this podcast is we're all about positivity you're yeah. trying to create in this crazy world that we live in absolutely you know so take us into dare a little bit like were you did you have visuals to go along with that storyboard so um oh boy storyboards that's a sore subject oh it's okay uh, sorry no 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 it's a, again it's a, it's it's one of these things that i've talked about a lot and and i i remember i i'm taken back to the feeling that i that i had when the, the producers of the movie uh, approached me, and they approached me based on the music for Rocky IV. They really liked that music, and they thought that there was a connection. If you think about it, there is a connection in the, in the good versus evil, and yeah, yeah. You know, um, the underdog coming up and winning. and, yep. and uh, Hero's yeah. journey. Yeah. And it, it was really nice that they saw that, because I didn't really see that connection. See, I came into this Transformers thing not knowing anything about the toys. You know? Okay. Um, and uh, not just the word Transformers was on the very outside of my, you know, awareness and uh, didn't know anything about it. And I said, well, it's based on this, you know, toy franchise and, and we're making this first animated movie. They, they, there's been a TV series, which I didn't know anything about. And uh, I said, I came into it very honestly. I said, guys, I said, uh, I appreciate you coming to me and I, I, I will absolutely uh, do my best. But... I, I'm not aware of, of this, you know, if you're looking for somebody yeah. that's like passionate about, I don't know anything about right. it. And I'm they laugh. You don't, toys. you don't have to. No, yeah. and they it's laugh. Bad, they yeah. said, that's, that's yeah. fine with yeah. us. And yeah. I said, and I'm not even going to listen to the, the stuff from the TV series. They said, right. no, please right. don't. You know, we want you to do your thing. Right. Yeah. So interestingly enough, on Rocky Four, I had three months to do 37 minutes of music. Transformers, I had six weeks to do 70 minutes of music. Whoa. Holy cow. So when I met with the producers the first time and we went through this whole thing about, you know, I, I never, I'm not familiar with the franchise, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, are you familiar with 
uh, working with storyboards. And again, I could have said what, I, what first came to <laughs> mind is I, I don't even know what storyboards are. Right. But I thought, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've worked with storyboards before, you know, typical. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had to actually audition to get the job. And the way they wanted me to audition was to write a piece of music that, you know, they gave me the synopsis of the, the script and showed me a couple of comic book pictures and things. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just, write a, just write a song that has... Uh, Good guy theme, bad guy, you know, a little bit of battle music, whatever. I wrote this piece, ended up being called Legacy. like six minutes long and in fact I performed that was the piece that I added to the set in San Diego last year and, it. and it's the hardest piece that we've done and uh, the audience loved it and so a lot of a lot of fun to play anyway yeah. I wrote this piece and they loved it and they said uh, okay that's uh, here's the storyboards now go write and <laughs> and I'm looking at these storyboards and I just it, I didn't connect you know I had I never had any experience with it and uh you know, the, the internet wasn't so readily available that I could get on and Google stuff and right. say, okay, what's, what do I do with storyboards? How there was I? no internet. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> right. 1985, 86, right? Before. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't have a, a really a way of researching it. And uh, I did the best I could, you know, basically writing music to drawings with timings underneath each, wow. each theme. Mm. And um, looking back, I hope to never do that again. <laughs> It was it was uh, it was not only a challenge, but um, when I saw the music in the finished product, uh, I I didn't like. I, I would have gone back and written different music uh -huh. had I had pictured to write to. Sure, but that doesn't seem to matter because the fans really really like the score. Look, you know? I right. No one, no one yeah. would know that. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, one, no. no one would know that your process. You know, you weren't comfortable with That's the process. Right. That's right. It's right. like the music. Yeah. Yeah. So. The music speaks yeah. for itself yeah. because yeah. people listen to it. We have the soundtrack going on twenty four seven in our house. Yeah. I'm not joking. Wow. Dustin knows. He's wow. been, you know he, he knows very well. Like this is a constant theme in this the soundtrack of our life. You right. know, and we were talking to another uh, person, uh, another guest on our show, about how uh, when you're doing some sort of physical activity, whether it's riding a bike or surfing, or and you see it in a movie, and they've got the music playing behind the character doing all, the, the montage in the Rocky movie. And it wasn't fun for me doing the montage on my own because I didn't have the soundtrack going on. Oh. If, I, if I wasn't wearing my headset and had that music going on, then it wasn't fun. The yeah. minute I put the, your music on specifically, I got this boost of energy. Oh, that's great. You know, and, and you... It's. I keep going back to it. It's. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show, and you. Um, and you have. 
piano solos. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm looking at the CDs right now. Yes. It's your latest work. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about I that? I can. It's actually um, reworked uh, record that was out in 1986 after I did Transformers. Uh, there was a gentleman named Roger Vidoris. He's since passed away, but he had this idea for a label called Artful Balance Records. And he said, Vince, I want you to be the first artist on this label. I want you to do a solo piano record because up to that point, I had done all this big production rock you know, right, stuff. Right. Yeah. And he said, you know, I've heard you just sit down at a piano and play, and I think that we could do an album that would be successful. And we spent two days in the studio recording the music, and uh, he came up with some artwork, and, and they put it out. Um, I don't know how well it sold. He said that the, uh, the reviews were good around the world. Um, it, it did okay. It did okay. And, and I was glad to have it. was like... It remains one of my favorite projects from a oh, creative cool. standpoint. So Peter, my manager, um, started this uh, this record label called Note for Note Music. And he said, Vince, I think we should redo the artwork. I think we should mm-hmm. remaster. Mm-hmm. I think we should even add some music if you have any. Yep. And I was honored that mm-hmm. Peter, again, he was one of these few people that said, I love hearing just solo piano music from you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the dramatic yeah. stuff that people aren't really familiar with. Yeah. And uh, so I really credit Peter with getting this ball rolling. That's really Getting cool. this off the ground. And I found, I found a cassette of one extra piece that had not been on the original recording. Um, uh, was that East Hampton Suite? Uh, sorry. Oh, American Hotel Suite. Okay. Okay. So you see the bonus tracks on the right. So Jessica was uh, written for my daughter, Jessica, uh, when she was a baby. I see Danielle on there, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Both of my daughters are represented there. Um, And I had this piece, this nine-minute suite, that for some reason didn't... It got erased on, like, the master tape. Oh, no. Um, And the only only copy I had was a cassette, an old TDK cassette. (laughs) Wow. And Peter's husband, Edwin, took this into a studio, uh, my partner's studio. Actually, he did some of the work at his own place. Cool. And made this thing sound like it, it was recorded professionally, digitally. Amazing. It, yeah. And it even tuned it up because it was a little bit out of tune with okay. the rest of the, the tracks. So the end result is it sounds like it fits right in. And you can buy this CD on iTunes, right? 
Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. CBDs yeah. are sold. Yeah. Um, do you have any upcoming projects that you want to talk about? I mean, uh, um, you just got off tour with Deep Purple. I know that. Oh, I, mean, I didn't know you knew that. Um, <laughs> we do a little bit of research. No, on no, we no, know no. things. That was another, that was a great experience. It wasn't actually Deep Purple. It was Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple. Yeah, it's was, tricky, right? But um, it was all Deep right. Purple music. Yeah, was, Deep Purple music. Yeah. It is interesting. Uh, there was a band called The Alarm okay. from the 80s I love. And they kind of came out before, around the same time U2 did. And I think they got overshadowed by that. The lead singer owns all the rights to the music, so when he performs, he performs as the alarm with the music, yeah. but it's just the one guy, right. and everybody else is, you know, a new young dude, yeah. you know. But yeah. anyways. Yeah, Glenn, um, one of the best rock vocalists in the world, yeah. bar, bar none. No I doubt. Mean, really. Um, Deep Purple is a yeah. very, in my opinion, very underrated band in yeah. the lexicon of... Uh, Absolutely. You know, and, and that's another band that had a keyboard player that was very mm -hmm. much into progressive rock music. Totally. John Lord was great. And um, Big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Glenn was very happy with uh, uh, the way I filled those shoes, I think. I bet. I say. And I, yeah, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> I had, so I went two weeks to England with him, and I'm going to be going on uh, a cruise in April for eight days called on the blue and there's like 30 different bands you, you have to look this up oh, it's sweet. pretty amazing okay. david pack uh poco firefall uh, oh my god all nice. these bands are going to be on the bill poco and Fi yeah 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 i yeah. have to go on this and i mean you'll be amazed at dave mason i mean there's just, oh it's, it's ridiculous it's ridiculous uh, justin hayward is the guy that's actually yeah. hosting it he's oh, hosting wow. it so it's called on the blue justin April 1st. Um, Juice whispered Justin Hayward's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he is amazing. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I saw him live last year. Oh, it was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. But um, so there's like 30 That's bands. Cool. And, and Glenn's doing two one-hour sets on this cruise. And I'm going to be playing with him. So. Well, what's the uh, what's the name of the cruise again? Uh, on the Blue. On the Blue. Yeah. I'm sure there's a website for oh, it yeah. or something. Ontheblue.com. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. we'll do some promoting of that because yeah. uh, that sounds phenomenal. It's, it's, yeah. I'm really looking forward to where, it. Where does the cruise go? It goes out of Miami and it goes around the Caribbean islands. And it, oh, oh, my gosh. It's, it's going to be really, really cool. Spring break plans. Yeah. See? <laughs> and I'd never been on a cruise before, so. Well, that's a great place to go. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, a you know a rock, a rock cruise would be very yeah, cool. Yeah, but it's but it's like not, it's. I mean, I'm a fan of music in general, yeah. you know. And you go on a rock cruise, and it's like you got Sammy Hagar, and you got Rick Springfield, and it's like this high powered, high energy. But then Poco and Firefall, yeah. people that don't know who these bands are, should look them up. I'm glad that you know who. They oh, are. I do. They're on our. <laughs> they're on some my... of the best vocal bands ever. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Orleans. Yeah. Remember the band Orleans? Yeah. They're still the be, one. They're going to be on this cruise. Dance as well. with me. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a big deal. Justin Hayward. Didn't Justin Hayward do the sound? The War of the Worlds. Um, no, he didn't do that War of the Worlds uh, musical. Oh, somebody he was did. attached with that. I think at some point. Yeah, that would uh, make sense. Anyways, Justin Hayward's a legend too. We're talking about legendary bands. Yeah. Yeah, I can't and wait. You included. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, Vince, and that Decola, brings us full circle. Yeah, with we legendary. We want to thank oh. you for being on our show. Thank you. This for has been. Me. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Um, you probably went too long, but you know, no. I love talking nope. about this stuff. I really do. You're kidding me? It. This is this is. Better. I don't think I said anything for like two hours. <laughs> I think I just sat there listening to your stories. No, you had some great comments. No, I think I just listened. To you. <laughs>
Was I here? Am I alive? <laughs> what day is it? Hey, on the blue, let's go get some tickets. On the blue.com. Yeah, no. I think it's either no, on the blue or on the blue cruise.com. Yeah, okay, and then check out uh, Get Piano Solos. Yes. I mean, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, the, you can get the physical CD. Yes. Um, and then you can put it on a cassette tape, put it in your walkman. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, you know, from Rocky Four, Staying a lot. I mean, everything. Just look up Vince DiCola and, and, and get his music because it's really great. Oh, and thank you again for sharing so you, many Vince. stories. My pleasure. And Thanks, thank you, guys. Peter. For Vinny. Thank you, Vinny. Vinny. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny. Thanks, and guys. hopefully we'll see you down the road. Uh, maybe we'll play some music together at some oh, point. That would be cool. Yeah. So right, do you both cool. sing? Is that the deal? Yeah. I mean, sing. I sing. I, I, he play, sings. I play some some of the keys and some Do you? some guitar, and I'm I, I'm so unpracticed that I'm probably terrible. <laughs> like if you handed me an instrument right now, I'd be like, "What does this do?" But but, but yeah. it's all about the fun, like yeah. you said. It's, it's all yeah. about the fun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so. looking forward to hearing more about that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's down the road for sure. And Great. Thanks again. My pleasure, guys. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.